for the week of June 6, 2022. This is Obi-Wan TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into the highly anticipated Disney Plus series. Today, we are discussing the third part of the highly anticipated live-action series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, in which Obi-Wan and Leia search for allies to assist them in getting home. While doing so, Obi-Wan comes into conflict with his old apprentice and friend. But before we dive into that, we are joined by a new guest. Dave, would you introduce our guest for us? Absolutely. If you are a fan of the show Legends from, you know, whatever multiverse that is, you may know Kyle from the corresponding TV Talk podcast, Legends TV Talk, where he, Will, and Bell have in the past dived in like we do here with Obi-Wan. Kyle, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. How is everyone today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I am on standby, awaiting uh, my wife to go into labor for our first child, so I'll be missing in action, and it sounds like Kyle will be joining Star Wars TV Talk in the future during my absence, and then uh, hopefully even once I return, we'll have some cool Star Wars stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and dive into part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi, because a lot goes down, and really it's not even a lot, like maybe like two things go down in this episode, but it kind of feels like a lot because there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of craziness. It feels kind of like a like a horror film for Obi-Wan that he's going through this kind of PTSD and now it all comes back and he's uh, a little overwhelmed here. So before we get into Obi-Wan, let's go ahead and talk about the Grand Inquisitor to be question mark. What's going to happen with Reva? She is guaranteed by Darth Vader that if she delivers Obi-Wan, she will become the Grand Inquisitor. Now, we know know what happens with the Grand Inquisitor because we've seen Rebels, and if you haven't seen Rebels, then, you know, maybe you're on the edge of your seat a little bit more. But I'm still interested to see what happens with with Reva here. So, Kyle, what do you think is going down with her? Um, I I think it's a little, like, I think what's going to happen in the end for her is... If you've ever played the Force, the Force Unleashed game, um, Vader lies to the Secret Apprentice and betrays him, and I think that's what's going to happen with Riva. Riva, Riva. Do we really know how we how to say it correctly? <laughs> um, so, but I don't, I don't foresee her coming out of this alive, um, especially as the Grand Inquisitor. Um, uh, but I'm in, I'm interested to see how the Grand Inquisitor was not unalived at the end of Episode 2. Right. Now, Dave, what do you think is happening with this? I'm thinking along the same lines. I've never played uh, the Star Wars video games, uh, of course, unleashed or otherwise. But it just made sense to me because I do some reading in the extended universe and the same things happen uh, with with the Sith. They lie to their apprentice, even whether it be an official one or a secret one, somebody dies. So that's exactly the same place I went with this too. Yeah, and obviously Vader is unsuccessful in his uh, 
his plan to destroy Obi-Wan in this episode. He gets super close, but obviously Obi-Wan escapes with assistance from this new ally. And I think somehow this is going to make Vader more angry and he'll somehow push the blame on to others. And so this will kind of be like the whole, well, you didn't deliver him to me. So keep trying. Good luck next time. Uh, and this kind of gets us into like Obi-Wan's mentality here because the episode immediately starts off with him desperately trying to reach Qui-Gon. So this is something that is most likely like they're setting the stage for a ghost Qui-Gon, at least the voice, but I think we're going to full blown see ghost Qui-Gon talk to Obi-Wan. But I really love that. This is probably what led to that. Cause we know by the time a new hope happens, Obi-Wan has already communicated. It doesn't actually say that he does, but we know that because he of course becomes one with the force and becomes a force ghost himself. So I like that it's very likely that the relationship with Anakin is going to be what causes Obi-Wan to reach out and finally be successful. What do you think about that, Dave? Do you think that's going on, or am I off on that? I don't actually have a real thought on it either way. Um, your, your theory, I think, fits just nicely because, as you say, he was desperately trying to reach Qui-Gon, looking for some advice here. Um there may be something else down the line, but right now, for the facts that we have in hand, Anakin, Darth Vader being the the push that Obi-Wan needs to break that wall and get to the point where he is years down the road in A New Hope, right now, that's the best theory I can see. And Kyle, what about you? What do you think's going on with that, and uh, when are we going to get a ghost Qui-Gon here? I... I'm thinking it's going to be next episode. Disney Disney has been doing a lot of, oh, you know, episode four is the one that everyone needs to see. I think that is what is going to happen. And when Obi-Wan is at his lowest, I think, especially because he <laughs> he got burned in, in this episode more, uh, more ways than one, I think. And he he's at his lowest. He... He needs that guidance, and I think that's when we will either midway or at the end of the episode get that reveal of Ghost Qui-Gon coming back and helping him. It's it's going to be a good payoff for, for all of us fans. Right. And we know that Obi-Wan is even like more desperate than he was because we've seen him in a very desperate state reaching out to Qui-Gon in the first two episodes as well. But this one... like. He knows that Anakin is alive. His brain is playing tricks on him. Like he's seeing, you know, Anakin out in the distance and he's, you know, going through some some crazy stuff. So either that's, you know, some sort of force connection that he's seeing or he's actually going through like some extreme mental distress here where he's seeing Anakin in the distance. And I li- I really like that he sees Anakin and not Vader like in that vision or mm-hmm. it, like his brain mm-hmm. mirage because he hasn't actually seen what Vader looks like at this point. So yeah, it's a lot of crazy stuff going down here. Uh, now, Dave, we saw Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker once again. How did that make you feel? I thought it was great. I mean, at this point in the time, who are you going to get to play Anakin Skywalker other than Hayden Christensen? Most of the younger Star Wars fans only know him as Anakin Skywalker. I mean, they would have been confused at the if they're watching all the way through to... Uh, to the uh, original trilogy when Vader's unmasked and it's not Hayden Christensen. So 
I think he's the perfect choice because why recast? He was, Hayden was willing willing to come back. He's been saying that for a while. Uh, just uh, just as uh, Ewan McGregor was saying, he would be willing to more than well willing to come back to redo his role as Obi Wan. Um, and as far as you know, the scene we're just talking about goes. I think it was played brilliantly. I mean, whether it be a form of Jedi PTSD or just the situation itself because he just learned that Obi-Wan's going on or maybe there's something else going on up there that we don't know about yet. There's lots of lots of theories for that and they're all fun. And Kyle, this is kind of an easy fix because if Disney doesn't want to hire Hayden Christensen cuz they don't have to. They can they don't have to show us who's behind Vader's mask, but they intentionally went out and got Hayden Christensen and said, we're bringing you back. Now, what did you think of that decision and now actually like seeing it? Like he is, we're, we see him in like deep makeup in part two where he's clearly the one in the tank. Uh, he's wearing the suit in his interviews. He's talking about how he's actually, anytime you see Vader, it's Hayden Christensen behind the suit and all that stuff. So what did you think of all that? I, th- I think it's great. I also think it's a little bit of a redemption arc for for him and for us to see, because there was a lot of flack, I mean, 20, 15 years ago mm-hmm. about Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker and his portrayal. But I think now that we see him as Darth Vader, a lot of people are going to turn that around and go back and watch those prequels with a with a better mindset. And seeing seeing Hayden play Darth Vader was scary. It was it was what Darth Vader was in 1977 being just being a, a fearful person and Obi-Wan, you could, you could see it on Obi-Wan's face every time he was, Anakin was talked about or he saw Darth or he saw the full Darth Vader for the first time he was afraid. And and Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan doesn't feel fear because Jedi's can't or else he leads to the dark side. But this, this was pure fear. And I, <clears throat> Excuse me. I really enjoyed seeing that on on Ewan McGregor's face the yeah. first time he saw Vader. And before we get into like the fear portion, because Ewan McGregor does such a good job with just portraying subtle emotions that are really deep rooted, and it really starts with his relationship with Leia and the conversation they have on this, you know, the transportation dock where. Uh, he's pretending to be her father, right? And then she just kind of gets curious, and she's like, are you actually my real dad? Mm-hmm. And this, of course, at parts one and two already put a big knot in your throat, but this time you get that again. Now, Kyle, we don't know what you went through the first two parts, so seeing this relationship between Obi-Wan and Leia, what was what emotion did this elicit for you? <laughs> it... It definitely pulled at the heartstrings because he's now not having to watch over Luke. He's having to watch over Leia, and that was something that he didn't, he wasn't expecting ever to do. So, and he's got to keep now two secrets from her. Well, more than two secrets from her. Definitely about like where she come, where she came from, and where her brother is. But I think, I think Obi Wan is doing doing the right thing about keeping everything close to the chest and protecting, trying to protect her as best he can. Yeah. And Dave, what about you? When you, when you saw this conversation play out again, where she just kind of, and you see it on her face where she like pauses, she's kind of 
studying Obi-Wan and then just decides, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask, are you my dad? It really uh, plays to the intelligence of Leia, uh, even at a young age. I mean, she realized in that moment that he was actually talking about her birth mother. I mean, not a lot of kids at that age of nine or 10 would put that together. So like it really plays to like, we've got a really intelligent child here, like probably a prodigy in her own right. And the fact that she was able to look at him going, like, you knew my mom. Are you my father? And then he has to come up with this lie, uh, like, just just like that, going, no, no, it was just a story, but she felt the truth in it. Yeah, and this kind of brings up where uh, you were saying last time, where Obi-Wan, he's very curious about Luke showing, and we get very much those hints that Leia is showing at this point, that she's very much in tune with the Force. Mm-hmm. Um with where she at where she's at in her own age and i think that's exactly what's going on and one thing that disney has really explored in the force since taking over is kind of the altogether emotional connections of the force and kind of how there's confliction there like really with all love right like this is a very deep emotion and the force is kind of this driving factor in these emotions and it kind of shows like you know the flaw of the jedi sometime where they kind of ignore that portion that the force very much is in tune with all emotions not just with you know uh necessarily removing love and passion but more so there should be natural balance in all things and so i like that they're continuing that here because these aren't negative things that obi-wan and leia are feeling these are very much like deep-rooted in a human connection. And I really appreciate that. And that feels, you know, pretty emotional to me. So I really have enjoyed um, that thing uh, going on here. So, yeah, a lot going on with Obi-Wan and Leia. We'll see what happens because obviously this one ends on a cliffhanger where Reba is the one who uh, has encountered Leia. So we'll see what happens there. But now let's go ahead and get into what Kyle was saying, how terrifying and terrorizing vader was because we see uh when obi-wan is planning his escape he feels something in the force and obviously that feeling is his old apprentice who is now you know just feet away from him and obviously vader feels it too because like kyle what did you think about vader just bringing out all these people torturing them and killing them clearly his his plan was he's going to keep doing this until obi-wan confronts him yeah and it it worked to an extent i mean he felt at that last moment vader felt obi-wan and then that's when we see vader go off it it was a perfect plan and it worked great i was not <laughs> I was not expecting so much force choking from Vader right away because I mean even in the original trilogy we don't we don't see it that often we see it twice mm-hmm. so now that we get it we we get full we get I think Vader at the height of his power here yes. and it's it is scary <laughs> uh-huh. I keep saying that but it is it is really scary seeing seeing how much power Vader has and what he can do with it yeah, and this was something that we kind of saw in Rogue One as well, right? Like the first mm-hmm. time that we were terrorized by Vader since, you know, A New Hope was in Rogue One when he's doing this kind of hallway scene and he's just walking, he's not running, he's not like doing like a bunch of uh 
he doesn't really seem desperate. Like that's the crazy thing. He's like mm-hmm. Michael Myers chasing down the teenagers in the street. Like he doesn't seem desperate to get them, but he knows he's in control. So Dave, what did you think about all this stuff going on with Vader? It was nuts. Absolutely nuts. I mean, we don't see much of it even in the prequel. Uh, in uh, the, number three, there we know he's gone dark, and we don't see, so we don't see him really tap into the the energy of the dark side yet. But here he comes here in Obi Wan, and he's force choking, pulling people around, snapping neck, even snapping necks of children yeah. in full view. I'm surprised, honestly, Disney went that way because the prequel didn't. We didn't see any of it except a little bit in a hollow in uh, episode three but here we are basically as a bystander in this little mining village and we see him kill one guy the sun runs out just snaps the neck of the sun and moves on i mean i'd have to skip that part with my kids Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) right well and this was something where i don't even when i first watched it i and i'm still not convinced that the dad was actually killed like i think vader was forced choking the dad and the dad is just so like physically exhausted he's like you know passed out like weak the son comes out there to assist dad and then vader's like oh i'm just gonna snap your neck Mm -hmm. so it's like kind of one of those things to where we see that exactly that happened we know it was like a shock i gasped when i saw this but yeah vader is back to killing children so kyle uh yeah what did you think of vader and um attacking the poor children in this one i mean he's used to it so it's not it's not (laughs) it's not really that uh that surprising but using the force to do it is is more surprising instead of his lightsaber right and this is like one of those things where we see kind of obi-wan in episode two especially talking to anakin about the purpose of the lightsaber and how the lightsaber is his life and how he can't lose the lightsaber. And I kind of feel like this is one of those things where Vader is like showing Obi-Wan, like, I don't need a lightsaber to beat you. Mm-hmm. I just need this <laughs> like crazy stuff going on for sure. And then there's Obi-Wan. He doesn't exactly help, but I think he stands in the distance enough for Vader to sense him so that Vader starts chasing him away from the village. Like, I don't know. Cause that's where Obi-Wan's like, I got to do something here. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know, Kyle, are you a horror film guy? Do you watch a lot of horror films? I do watch, I do watch horror films. I wouldn't say I'm like a horror film expert, but you're, uh, you, but when you said Michael Myers before, I'm like, that's, that's perfect. That's that's exactly what I think of Darth Vader being. He's not running. He is just he's slowly walking towards towards his prey. And that's exactly Mike Myers. So that's 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 a perfect thing to say about him. It's better well, we than got Jason. a lot of like <laughs> we got a lot of like horror film vibes here because and of course like callbacks to like nineteen seven horror films because when Obi Wan is, you know, running through whatever like this uh, you know, this dump or wherever he's, you know, going through the sand trying to avoid Vader, I got some Jaws vibes because you know Vader's there in the darkness, but you'd never see him. And that was like one of the genius things that Spielberg did with Jaws is you don't ever see the shark until like 45 minutes into the film. And 
but you're still terrified the whole time because you know the shark's there and like the music in the background like lets you know that the shark is hunting and i felt very much that way when you when obi-wan's like kind of going through the darkness you see nothing but you know that vader is out there and i think that is the most terrifying thing to do in any like visual medium what about you dave oh it was very uh very dark by by this time honestly when i was watching it uh, before work yesterday recording time my oldest woke up and he was downstairs with me for this one he's watching this going dad what's going on here like he knew even he knew something was gonna happen and he, he but he wasn't sure what because he hadn't seen the rest of the episode because he just came in part way through but I would, in, just as a parental note, I was glad he missed the neck snapping part. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, even he, even he, who's never really watched anything super scary, or you know, I've started introducing him to the earlier films and whatnot. He he knows Darth Vader. As soon as he saw Vader come on screen, he's oh, Darth Vader! I know what's going on here now. So, even even he was able to pick up on that tension that was trying to be broadcast just by watching obi-wan run around and then all of a sudden red lightsaber darth vader's on screen he goes okay i get this now and he watched the rest of it with me and it was it was fine but uh yeah i mean they did like if my nine-year-old can pick up on it they did a really good job on it and of course the most terrifying thing that happens is when vader you know picks obi-wan up by the force and is like We've seen Vader's power in the Force. We've known he's always been super powerful, but we see that he's able to just kind of hold Obi-Wan dormant, get him to drop his lightsaber, and then while doing so, like, Vader could have just impaled him with a lightsaber like we saw the Grand Inquisitor do to Mm -hmm. one of the kidnappers, right? Like, just pull him into the blade. It's all good. But he doesn't want Obi-Wan to just die he wants obi-wan to suffer so he lights the fire and just slowly drags obi-wan into the flames now kyle how did that make you feel and how like again like how terrifying was all this i was i was not expecting it because we we as star wars fans know that well we we never see obi-wan have any damage to his right arm which is what happened so it's it was very jarring to see that but also uh being playful with with obi-wan having him be like okay now you get to feel what i feel and what i felt because of you i'm gonna do this and that that just adds to the character of uh, anakin vader that he is ruthless now he will he will do what he wants to get what he wants and that is revenge on obi-wan and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes next with it. Yeah, so Dave, what do you think is going on with that? And do you think that this is Obi-Wan's breaking point that finally causes him to fully reach Qui-Gon? Yeah, I do think it would be the breaking point. I mean, he, he at least on some level, now knows what it feels like to be burning while you're alive. Mm-hmm. Um. So that'll help, and he's going to have to recover from all all this. And I think, no matter how they have him recover, whether it be Bakta Tank like we saw in Mandalorian, or you know just ministrations of uh, and some allies that he's picked up along the way to to get him back up and running, I think a combination of what just happened in the scenes we've been talking about, plus finding out that Reva's got Leia again, 
is going to break through whatever wall is keeping him from uh, being able to contact the Qui-Gon Forest Ghost. And that's when he'll start getting his advice. And that's probably where we'll see the uh, series start turning around to its inevitable conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I, I'm feeling maybe we get... I don't know, like maybe we get some Yoda going on with some communications because, of course, yeah. when Luke runs off to save Han and Leia in Empire, uh, Obi-Wan's just like, you know, he's got to be safe because if he's not, we're doomed. And Yoda's the one that says, well, hey, remember, man, there's another one. And obviously talking about Leia there. Um, and So maybe this is what causes a communication with Yoda. I don't know what's going on there, but maybe we get some a Yoda cameo. But we know, like Kyle was saying, episode four is the one mm-hmm. to watch. So do you think we're getting extra cameos or do you think that this is just going to be a Qui-Gon? I think it's just going to be a, be a Qui-Gon. If we get Yoda, I didn't even think about Yoda at all. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, I, I think Deborah Chow did say that there are going to be more cameos throughout throughout the rest of the series. I, I'm I'm hoping for a Cal Kestis, but because at this time, Cal Kestis is still alive because of Jedi Survivor, because that's what it takes place. So maybe he just shows up randomly. But I mean, we did get we did get a Quinlan Voss name drop, so I'm still hoping for a live action Quinlan Voss. I think that's what it's going to be that uh, I think we're going to get Quinlan in this one because uh, there's been so many hints dropped around that character. Not too many people are aware of that character, but mm-hmm. obviously super fan favorite for those that have, you know, read um, the comics, watched the shows, got delve deeper into some of the, you know, the the greater lore or things like that. So I think that might be what we get here. Um, Cal Kestis would be cool. Uh, the timeline works out because what they were saying is, so this is 10 years. This is the, they're making the sequel to, um, you know, the, his video game and the sequel takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So who knows what goes on there, but yeah, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to. We'll see what happens, but I think we're getting at least Qui-Gon in episode four and potentially some more people. So, yeah. Uh, Dave, what is your overall thought of this part of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well, this is the darker episode that we all knew had to happen. Absolutely. Because we've been teased Vader. We knew he was going to show up. Perfect time. Like right before the right before the crest, maybe cause the crest of the action so that we can get into that down spiral, down, downward arc of the story and get everything resolved. Um, as far as, as far as everything else goes, I mean, um, love the idea of a Qui-Gon appearance in episode four. Um, I like the Yoda idea too. Seeing some of the, uh, the, the deeper cameos that I'm not quite aware of. Like, cause I honestly, I'll have to look up Kyle Kestis after we get off because I've never heard the name before. <laughs> but uh, it will, uh, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with who they pull from various uh, parts of the lore to put in these alluded to cameos between now and episode six. 
All right. Now, Kyle, your final thoughts of this part and the uh, the prior parts of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then where can the people find you? I I really enjoyed episode episode three. I thought I, I enjoyed it more than the second one, but still the first one is is fantastic. So I'm I'm looking forward to where where they can go from here and if it tops those other three episodes. So I'm definitely again still watching it week to week. Uh but where people can find me, uh you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Krause89. Uh, you can listen to me weekly uh, at the Atomic Geekdom podcast, uh, where we go through everything geeky. Uh, we have geek outs. We do some uh, play nights on video games and stuff like that. And uh, as Dave said in the beginning, Legends TV Talk, uh, it does not exist anymore. <laughs> we stopped after season five. But if you want to go back and listen to the old episodes that we do have for the first uh, for seasons two through five, uh, Legends TV Talk on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, thank you for joining us, and you can keep up with this show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe and review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at tvtalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you, always.